Welcome, ladies, to the online Bible study. As we have seen over the past few weeks, living for Jesus Christ is not easy, is it? When we live for Christ, really live righteous and godly lives, the unbelievers of the world reject us, don't they? But we have to remember our ultimate example, Jesus Christ, who is also rejected. We have seen that if we are living godly lives, we will be persecuted. Christ suffered persecution to the ultimate degree. So how do we handle and conquer persecution? Peter tells us that we are to arm ourselves with the mind of Christ. So let's open our Bibles and look at 1 Peter chapter 4 and let's begin with verse 1. It says, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. It says here, therefore. So we need to look back to see what he's referring to here. He says, therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh. This is referring to what we studied last week. As we looked at chapter 3, verse 18. That he suffered for our sins. Christ paid the ultimate price. A painful death on the cross. Ladies, when you think about that, that Christ suffered on the cross because of our sins, why would we want to take pleasure in that sin that Christ suffered for? Why would we want to continue in a sin that Christ so painfully suffered for? The thought of that alone ought to make us want to strive to live godly lives. Ladies, we need to examine our lives and ask God to reveal those areas in our lives that are not pleasing to Him. Ladies, sometimes as Christians we get complacent, don't we? We tolerate sin around us. For example, TV. We now see a lot more stuff on TV than we did before. The TV moguls are getting their point of view across stronger and stronger every day, getting us used to seeing things and hearing things that we never would have allowed before. But slowly we start accepting it, saying, well, that isn't really that bad. Well, just like the picture of the frog who was placed in a pot of cold water on the stove. Slowly it heats up from the fire underneath it. But the frog, he doesn't notice the temperature getting warmer and warmer until it's too late and he's cooked. Ladies, we need to be vigilant. We need to make sure that we're not complacent. So how do we guard against this? Peter goes on and says, Arm yourself also with the same mind. The Greek word here for arm yourself was used of a Greek soldier putting on his armor and taking his weapons. Now the noun of the same root word here is used of a heavily armed foot soldier who carried a pike and a large shield as opposed to a soldier who was more lightly armed. So as Christians, the picture is here that we need the heaviest armor we can get to withstand the attacks of the enemy of his soul. Ladies, we need to be vigilant to make sure that our minds are focused on heavenly things that we are kept of pure mind now remember garbage in garbage out so what you're putting in is what's coming out we all have busy lives but we need to make sure 
that even though we are busy, we need to make sure that there is time for God in our lives, that He is number one, that we make time for Him every day. And when you examine your life in a 24-hour time span, think about how much time we spend at work, with our family, at the grocery store, doing housework, sleeping, watching TV, on the computer. What are we doing on that computer? Studying God's Word in prayer and anything else that you do within that 24-hour time span. At the end of the day, if we cannot think of one thing that would count for the glory of God, then that day was wasted. Ladies, we need to make sure that our lives glorify God. That something in that 24-hour day counts for eternity. Peter goes on in verse 1 to say, For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Now, our goal naturally in life would be to cease from sin. But, because we have a sin nature, we will never attain this goal until we get to heaven, right? But ladies, let's not use this as as an excuse for sinning. We need to strive to live godly lives and refrain from sin. We need to decrease and God needs to increase in our lives. Just because we suffer, that does not mean that we won't sin anymore. It is a great deterrent, but it doesn't mean we won't stop sinning. The more a person suffers for Christ, the closer he becomes to Christ. And the closer he becomes to Christ the more the desires of the sin lose their appeal and power over the person. So the more we live to glorify God, the more we refrain from sin. In verse 2, Peter tells us why God breaks the power of the sinful nature at the moment the Christian is saved. Let's look at that. It says that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. Now the word lust here in the Greek speaks of any strong craving here. It's like an evil craving. It is in order that we should no longer live the rest of our earthly lives in the sphere of the cravings of men, but live in the sphere of the will of God. If we do the will of God, then we will invest the rest of our time in that which is lasting and satisfying. But if we give in to the world around us, we will waste the rest of our time here on earth. And we will regret it when we stand before Jesus Christ. Peter urged the believers to no longer live as they had in the past because they had already spent enough time doing so. Let's look at verse 3. It says, But we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles, when we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, rivalries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. So in a sense here, Peter is saying, You spent more than enough time in your sin. Your old way of life must be set aside now. Let's move on. The believers had new lives in Christ. So they were to spend the rest of their earthly lives putting aside their self-human desires 
in following God's will. We are to be examples now. If we are living in the past lifestyle, what kind of witness are we? What kind of example are we leaving to those around us? People are watching, learning from us, seeing our walk and seeing if our walk matches our talk. Peter reminded them of the shameful activities of their past when they lived like pagans, like the Gentiles. Now you remember, as we have said before, in this passage when Peter used the word Gentiles, he is referring to non-Christians. Jews often referred to the pagan world as Gentiles. Peter's list of evil activities resembles Paul's in Romans 13.13. They're examples of what does not please God, our actions, the activities, the attitudes that belong to the world. They have no place in a believer's life. Let's look at verses 4 through 5. It says, In regard to these, they think it strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. They will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Once we have accepted Jesus Christ into our hearts, we begin to grow in our Christian walk, don't we? We begin to separate ourselves from our old life. We don't do all the things that we did as an unbeliever. And those we hung around with, well, we just don't hang around with them anymore. And they don't always understand the change in our spirit. The scripture here says, They think it strange that you do not run with them. Because they do not understand, they often speak evil of us. They ridicule, they mock, and withdraw from us because we don't share the same goals anymore. Now, not every Christian is from such a drastic background, but all of us will experience a transformation in our lives. Our old lifestyles change and it can be a witness to our unsaved friends and those who knew us before we were saved. Now, they don't understand why we don't do the things that we do, and sometimes this gives us an opportunity to witness to them. We can explain this wonderful transformation that Christ has made in our life. Notice in verse 5, it says, They shall give an account to Christ for all their ridicule, all their abuse and persecution of the believers. Scripture is very clear here. Christ is ready to judge both the living and the dead. The unsaved may judge us, but one day God will judge them. So instead of arguing with them, we should pray for them, knowing that the final judgment is with God. This is the attitude that Jesus took, as we saw back in chapter 2, verse 23, and also the Apostle Paul, as we see in Second Timothy. So as Christians, Jesus Christ must be Lord of our lives. He gave himself for us, and we must follow his example. Turn over to Colossians chapter 3. And let's look at verses 23 to 24. It says, And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. We do serve a risen Lord. Everything must be to God's glory. 
The key to understanding verse 6 is found in the context of the entire book. We need to make sure that we do not eisegete, but we look at the scripture in the light of the context. So let's look at verse 6. It says, For this reason the gospel was preached also to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the Spirit. Now Peter is not talking about a second chance here for salvation after death. Nowhere in scripture does it say that we have a second chance. And that's why it's so important to look at scripture in context. So looking at this passage in context to the scripture, we see in 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 6 through 7 that we are told that we are grieved by the various trials and Peter encourages us that they will only last for a little while. Then in chapter 2 verses 18 to 25, we have the case of Christian household slaves being unjustly punished because of their Christian testimony. In chapter 3 verses 8 to 17, we were instructed how to behave when undergoing persecution. So you can kind of see a theme here of suffering for Christ, right? So when we look at verse 6, Peter is reminding us that the Christians who had been martyred for their faith, the words, them that are dead, refer to the Christian believers who had died. The gospel had been preached to them, and they had become Christians. As a result of this, they had been judged according to men while they were on earth. This judgment was in the form of persecution, and it was for their testimony. We may also suffer persecution for our beliefs, but we know that God is there, right? Working for our good. And we need to fear God and not men. When we go through trials, Peter has encouraged us to know that it is only for a little while. Christ's return, ladies, is imminent, and Peter explains that the shortness of time remaining should motivate us to strive to live godly lives. Let's look at verses 7 through 11. It says, But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all these things have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Peter here is exhorting us to be serious or be sober-minded. When we are serious or sober-minded, we keep our desires under control. And we keep our focus on God. When life gets tough and the world events seem to be just getting worse, we're not shaken because we see Christ's return is near. As the time draws nearer, we are to be watchful in our prayers. The word watch carries with it the idea of alertness and self-control. Ladies, we should constantly be in prayer constantly in communication with God we are to stay sober and alert to every opportunity to pray 
Now this admonition has been special meaning to Peter because as you remember, he went to sleep when he should have been watching and praying as we see in Mark 14 verses 37 to 40. It reads, Then he came and found them sleeping and said to them, Simon Peter, are you sleeping? Could you not watch for one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again he went away and prayed and spoke the same words. And when he returned, he found them sleeping again, for their eyes were heavy and they did not know what to answer him. Ladies, when the Lord returns, will he find us sleeping or watching for his return? If you want to make the best out of the rest of your time you have here on earth, live in the light of the return of Jesus Christ. If you were told you had one month to live, what would you do? Would you get your affairs in order? Would you witness to all your family and friends? Would you live every moment for Christ, not caring if you were persecuted or not? Would you seek out those you had a grudge with and forgive them? Ladies, the reality is, we don't know when our last day is. We don't know when Christ will return. So we need to live as if today is our last day. We need to walk in faith. As the saying goes, Live as if Christ is going to return today, but prepare as if his return will be later down the road. An expected attitude towards Christ's return involves a serious, balanced mind and an alert, awake prayer life. If our thinking and praying are right, our living should be right. When our thinking is on the right track, then we will think of others above ourselves, won't we? Let's look at verse 8. It says, And above all things have fervent love for one another, for love will carry a multitude of sins. We are to have fervent love for one another. The word fervent is an athletic word. It means to stretch and reach out, to strain and exert to the utmost degree, just like the athlete in a race. Now we just watch the Winter Olympics. Think of the preparation that each one of these athletes had to go through to get to the Olympics. They had to really exert themselves to push themselves to the limit to get in shape they needed to to complete it. Christian love is something we have to work at, just as the athletes work on their skills. We are to strain every ounce of energy in our minds and hearts to love. This means that we love others with a God-given love, an agape love. Even when they hurt us, they persecute us, they ridicule us, and speak evil against us, we are to love them. Love covers a multitude of sins. Here Peter is quoting Proverbs 10:12, where it says, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. The word covers means forgiveness. Ladies, when someone sins, we're not to go out and announce it. Where there is hatred, there is malice. 
and malice causes a person to want to tear down the reputation of their enemy. This leads to gossip and slander. Now sometimes we try to make our gossip sound spiritual by telling people things so that they might pray more intelligently. Ladies, we need to watch our motives. Instead of spreading gossip about their sin, we need to pray for them and reach out in love to them that maybe if they're unsaved they may be one to the Lord. Our Christian love should not only be fervent and forgiving, but it should also be hospitable without grumbling. That is without complaining. Let's look at verse 9. It says, Two, we are to be hospitable to one another without grumbling. Hospitality was essential for the early church. William Barclay points out that there were no church buildings until about 200 years after Christ. Therefore, the early believers had to meet for worship in the homes of willing believers. Now, hospitality can be hard work. Some guests will be more difficult than others, and there may be times when it's more of a duty than it is a joy. In any case, Peter recommended that the believers not complain, but serve their guests as though serving the Lord himself. Because when we share with others, we're sharing with Jesus Christ, as it says in Matthew 25, right? So, we should do it to the glory of God. Finally, Christian love must result in service. Let's look at verse 10. It says, As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Each Christian has at least one spiritual gift that we must use to the glory of God. He gives us the spiritual ability to develop our gifts and to be faithful servants to God. God gives us the gifts, the abilities, and the opportunity to use the gifts. And He alone must receive that glory. Now the phrase oracles of God in verse 11 does not suggest that everything a preacher or teacher says today is God's truth. Because human speakers are fallible. Everything needs to be filtered, remember, through Scripture. Let's look at verse 11. It says, If anyone speaks, let him speak of the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as to the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. All issues and questions in life have biblical answers. The believers should be equipped to give an answer. They're all right here in your Bible. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. In a similar manner, believers are to care for one another with the strength that God supplies. So Peter makes it very sure that we understand that God alone is the resource whom provides the gift and the ability to employ that gift in such a way that the entire body of Christ is cared for and edified. In the end, God alone is to be glorified in everything that we do. 
Ladies, we don't know when the Lord is going to return. We don't know when we will go home to be with the Lord. But while we are here, we need to be watching and praying, looking for His return. We need to be striving to be Christ-like. We need to bring honor and glory to God in everything that we do. Ladies, don't waste your life on frivolous things. Remember your inheritance and who you are. Show Christ's love to those around you. Don't spiritualize gossip, but build each other up. Use the God-given gifts that you have to further the gospel. Live each day as if Christ is coming any moment and prepare as if he will tarry. Remember, the trials and persecution that you are going through are only for a little while. Now next week we are going to complete chapter 4 as we look at 1 Peter chapter 4 verses 12 to 19. So until then, God bless.